0: The Ten Commandments are declaimed, all Israel quakes at the encounter, and then we are informed in Exodus 20.15, and all the people saw the sounds and the lightnings and the voice of the shofar and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood from afar. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 23, Synesthesia at Sinai. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his memoir, Rabbi Shlomo Goren describes the moment when, as then-Chief Rabbi of the Israel Defense Forces, he accompanied the IDF into the old city of Jerusalem during the Six-Day War. Because the Bible describes the sounding of the biblical horn called the shofar as Israelites go into battle, Rabbi Goren took a shofar with him. He writes that, quote, As I made my way forward, I began to utter a prayer in between shofar blasts, and shouted to the soldiers, in the name of God, take action and succeed, end quote. The soldiers did succeed, ultimately ending up at the Kotel, the western wall, as the shofar continued to sound, only now expressing Jewish jubilation. It is one of the most famous shofar blasts in Jewish history, a central feature of the most miraculous modern moment in the story of the Jewish people. Yet precisely because of its importance, I have always found Rabbi choice of particular chauffeur somewhat curious. Anyone who knows their chauffeurs understands from photographs that the one that he brought along into Jerusalem was relatively small. Why did Rabbi not bring a more impressive horn to Jerusalem to herald its liberation? The answer, I later learned, lies in a story that allows us to understand how the haunting sound of this seemingly primitive instrument is often nothing less than an echo of Sinai itself. It is at Sinai that Israel encounters and covenants with God and the Decalogue is declared. Truly analyzing the Ten Commandments would require a lecture series in itself. In fact, that is the very last lecture series that I did for Tikva. Suffice it to say that these commandments stand together as an exquisite embodiment of the entire Torah by referencing both our obligations to God and to each other, encompassing faith and morality requirements both ritual and ethical, obligating us to sanctify the Sabbath and to sanctify human life. And, in the Jewish enumeration of the commandments, the obligation that stands at the center, bridging the obligations that will be etched on the first of the two tablets and those on the second, is honor thy father and mother, for it is love and reverence for family, for those who came before, that is central to the transmission that is at the heart of Israel's faith. Today, however, I wish to address the entrancing, mystifying, and ultimately miraculous description of the Sinai experience. By the time that Israel arrives at this mountain in the desert, it has already experienced the overthrow of an empire and the splitting of a sea, and yet we are still informed that what is yet to come is somehow singular. Exodus chapter 19, verses 9, 16, and 19. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I come to thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and also in thee they will believe forever. And it came to pass on the third day when it was morning that there were thunders and lightnings, and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of a shofar exceedingly loud, and all the people in the camp trembled. And when the voice of the shofar grew ever louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in a voice. At the center of the Sinai revelation, is a shofar, the animal horn. It is a seemingly simple instrument, but all who have heard it know of its raw, primitive power. What does its sound signify for Judaism? I happen to have an exotic shofar collection, which include the horns of an eland, an ibex, an oryx, a red hartebeest, and many others. I started my collection when I purchased several shofars from a rabbi while touring in South Africa, and then I flew back home with them, And when I transferred planes in London, I ended up having to unpack my bag, and the security agents took a long look at my various shofars. And, perhaps suspecting that I was some sort of pernicious poacher of exotic animals, they said to me, what are these? And I said, they're instruments, they're part of my religion. And, as I recall, the security guard said, what religion is this? So, what exactly is this instrument? Why is it so central to our religion? In the ancient world, the shofar was a horn of coronation utilized in the Bible, especially when there is a question as to who is the true king. Thus, when David's son, Adonijah seeks to claim the kingship, the prophet Nathan takes Solomon and sounds the shofar to signal the anointing of the true king. Thus, the shofar of Sinai heralds here the arrival of the one true king. The significance of the sound of Sinai is that God is the king of kings, the sole sovereign of the history of humanity. For Jews to sound the shofar in battle and prayer and celebration is to acknowledge this fact. Fascinatingly, Rabbi Goran in his memoir recounts a mysterious visit right before the 1956 war in which Israel captured the Sinai. He writes that, quote, about six months before the Sinai campaign, I met a man who lived in Tel Aviv and made his living from making and selling shofars. He came to visit me in my house. Carrying something wrapped in rags, and told me he had had a dream that he was supposed to go to Turkey to buy a horn to make a shofar. In Turkey, there are deer whose horns are used for making shofars. In the dream, he was told to buy a very large deer horn and to make a shofar that I would blow on Mount Sinai. This is what he told me about half a year before the campaign. Back then, no one imagined that we were going to capture Mount Sinai and the whole Sinai desert. Perhaps you misunderstood your dream, I told him. And the shofar is for blowing on the Temple Mount or at the Kotel. He insisted, however, that the dream was about my blowing the shofar on Mount Sinai, end quote. Some months later, after the Sinai operation, Rabbi Goran took the shofar and ascended the mountain in the Sinai desert that many believe is the site of the original revelation. There he blew the shofar, or as he puts it, quote, I felt a deep and overcoming sense of being part of history. This was the second time in history that the shofar was blown on Mount Sinai, end quote. One can imagine why he was so moved, for it was in the chauffeur of Sinai that God was declared the Lord of history. Now here, ladies and gentlemen, is where it really gets interesting. With the chauffeur heralding God's sovereignty, we would have expected the Almighty to begin the Decalogue by explaining why he is the ultimate monarch of humanity, because he created the world, because he made us all in his image. Because ultimately, he is the divine director of the providential plan that is history. But that is decidedly not what God says. The actual words in chapter 20, verse 2, are I am the Lord thy God who took thee out of the land of Egypt. God actually uses here his ineffable name I am YHVH, your God, who took you out of Egypt. In the central revelational event of human history, God links himself to a particular event and to a particular people. It is through the miraculous story of the Jewish people that we discover God. The tale of Israel itself is a miracle, is itself a source of faith, perhaps the source of faith. No one more eloquently argues this fact than Judah Halevi, the great Sephardic Jewish poet, who in his masterwork, the Kuzari, describes a Gentile king who surveys the world's religions looking for theological truth. The king interviews a Christian, a Muslim, and a philosopher. And then Halevi writes, quote, He then invited a Jewish rabbi and asked him about his belief. The rabbi replied, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt with signs and miracles. End quote. The king is unimpressed, for he had expected the rabbi to speak of God's universal power, not of his connection to a particular people. And so the king coldly replies, and I'm quoting in part Shouldst thou, O Jew, not have said that thou believest in the creator of the world, its governor and guide? To this, the rabbi readily replies that Judaism does indeed proclaim a universal truth, a God who created the world. But it is through Israel that God will make himself known to the world. The universal God is known through the particular, and that particular is the people of Israel and the miracle that is their history. Thus, the rabbi replies, quote, in the same way God commenced his speech to the assembled people of Israel, I am the Lord your God who has led you out of the land of Egypt, but he did not say, I am the creator of the world and your creator. Now in the same style I spoke to thee, O Prince of the Khazars, when thou didst ask me about my creed, end quote. For Halevi, it is Israel's memory of the Exodus that is the argument for the existence of God. God, in his opening statement at Sinai, is saying to Israel and ultimately to the world, you will find me in the story of my people, in the Jewish story, one which is more miraculous than any other. This, then, is what the Shofar of Sinai proclaims. The universal king of kings is to be found in Jewish history. It is no coincidence that the most famous photograph in modern Israel was taken at the very time when Rabbi Gorin was sounding the shofar at the Kotel at the Western Wall, an image of three Israeli paratroopers standing at the wall with the seemingly awed central face of a young man named Yitzhak Yifat. The writer Yossi Klein Halevi describes its allure as follows, quote, Perhaps the photograph continues to endure because it caught an even more profound moment than the story of Zionism. The return not only of Jewish identity, but of the Jewish God. Judaism posited a daring idea that God's power and goodness would be revealed not only in the majesty of nature, but in the messiness of history and even more improbably in Jewish history. The meaning of Jewish history, then, is that history has meaning. End quote. Halevi adds that in Jerusalem in 1967, Even for less religiously inclined Israelis, quote, history had yielded the moment of consolation that generations of believing Jews had insisted against all logic must come. Once again, it was possible for Jews to at least consider that the traditional Jewish view of God may be right after all. The reverence that many Jews felt toward the photograph of the paratroopers was the stunned realization, seemingly reflected in Yitzhak Yifat's upturned face, that skeptical secularism. May not be an adequate way of understanding the Jewish story, that God may be real, after all. The shofar of Sinai then is a clarion call not only for one moment in the wilderness, but for all time. With this in mind, we can now approach the most mystifying verse of all: the Ten Commandments are declaimed. All Israel quakes at the encounter, and then we are informed in Exodus 20:15. And all the people saw the sounds and the lightnings and the voice of the shofar and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood from afar. This is often translated as the people saw the thunder, but literally it means they saw the sounds. And what appears incredibly enigmatic is the verb. The people saw the sound of the shofar? How can a sound be seen? The great medieval commentator Rashi tells us that at Sinai, Sound and sight miraculously merged in some sort of spiritual synesthesia. One moving interpretation of this verse can be found in an interview with Leon Cass, who describes the emotional impact that reading this passage had on him. He begins by reflecting, and I'm quoting Dr. Cass: Can a reader vicariously, or maybe not even vicariously, experience the awe of the children at the mountain? I'm inclined to say yes. That's partly in the spirit in which I like to read. I try to imagine myself along on the journey. Not by the way, as Moses, but as one of the assembled. Cass adds that, the commentators are at pains to say that saw means perceived, but I want to say this was a phantasmagoric experience in which all the senses are simply overwhelmed. Cass further reflects, quote, Out of this disquieting experience, a voice from out of the text addresses us. If we have ears to still listen, and addresses us in ways that partly depend on us going on this journey with the ex-slaves, but partly appealing to us as individuals with minds and hearts who can be moved by what we are summoned to think and do, quote. And Cass reverently remarks, I'm in awe of the text. I can't believe it. I can't believe that it's speaking to me and that it's doing to me what it's doing to me. The sound of Sinai is not only heard, but seen. It is not only for ancient Israel, but also for us. To say that Israel saw the sounds is to express that these sounds are unlike all others. The voice of the shofar, the thunder, and the divine voice itself are unlike other sounds. They break all barriers. They call out not only to ancient Israel, but to us. Deuteronomy describes the sound of Sinai as which can be rendered as a great voice that does not cease. If the divine declamation continues to resound, and if the sound of Sinai can be not only heard but seen, then that signifies to us that the awe-inspiring presence of God can still somehow be sensed in the Jewish story. Deuteronomy describes the sound of Sinai as kol gadol VeLo yasaf, which has been rendered by some as a great voice that does not cease. If the divine declamation continues to resound, if the sound of Sinai can be not only heard but seen, then that signifies to us that the awe-inspiring presence of God can still somehow be sensed in the Jewish story, that the seemingly awestruck face of Yitzchak Kifat at the Western Wall in Jerusalem ought to embody the reaction of every one of us. Rabbi Goran appears to have treasured the enormous shofar that had been given to him by the Turkish Jew who had seemingly prophetically proclaimed that he would sound the horn on Sinai itself. When Israel went to war in 1967, Rabbi Goran took his horn with him into battle. He went initially to the Egyptian front, and there his jeep was struck by a shell, and the shofar was destroyed. The rabbi survived, and he made his way to Jerusalem. He reports that, quote, My shofar had been burnt on the outskirts of Gaza. Since I knew that on this day we would be liberating the old city and reaching the Kotel, at around 4.30 in the morning, I hurried to the home of my father-in-law, who had a synagogue attached to his home. I need your synagogue's shofar, I told him when he opened the door to the sound of my knocking. We are going to liberate the Kotel. He became so emotional that he began to cry, but he climbed onto a table. The shofar was tucked away high up in a cupboard, and he gave me the shofar. I took it and rushed back in the direction of Rockefeller Museum, and from there I began to climb toward the old city." End quote. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, the rabbi had this small shofar with him, the shofar he blew in a united Jerusalem, where he also proclaimed words heralding God's hand in history, saying there that, quote, on behalf of the whole Jewish people in Israel and in the diaspora, I say this blessing with exultant joy, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us alive, sustained us, and brought us to this day, this year, in rebuilt Jerusalem, end quote. The story's poetic power is profound. The shofar of Agoran blew at Sinai had been seemingly obliterated. The sound of Sinai had been seemingly silenced. But it was not. It endures. The original shofar of Sinai was sounded so many millennia ago, but that does not mean it is gone. And all the people saw the sounds. To see the sound of the shofar is to perceive God's presence in the world, to find it first and foremost In the story of the Jewish people. Despite life's disappointments, we live today in a miraculous age when the sound of Sinai can be found in our own world. And as long as we are willing to look for it and listen to it, then it is a sound that will never cease. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together next week, signing off.